Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Good morning. I've got good news for you. The end will come. Okay, we're going to get there, all right? Find your notes. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. The good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. All the nations will hear it, and then the end will come. The end's coming. It's coming. Now, the Bible tells us that in the last times, in the times that exist right before the end, that this world gets to be pretty uh, shaken up, that there gets to be a lot of things happening that uh, are, in essence, crisis, in essence, difficulties. And uh, you and I look at what's going on in this world, and you think, surely the end's not too far away. I mean, there's a war going on in Ukraine. This past week, there was an earthquake in, uh, in Pakistan. Over a thousand people died. Uh, there's food insecurities all over the world. There's inflation, gas, housing, supply chains. Uh, there's political division. There's all kinds of things happening, COVID. You name it, it just seems like every day throughout the week, another issue pops up, doesn't it? It just seems like, wow, what's next? And how can this happen? And this happen? And happen? And yet the Bible is very clear and honest with us that says, look, there's birth pains that happen before the end comes. So I want to talk to you this morning about the end is going to come and how you and I have to approach it. First of all, let's look at some wrong ways to approach the end. First of all, there's the scholar. A scholar. This is the person that wants everything mapped out, that has it all figured out. They have Scripture to back it up. Maybe perhaps they even have a little chart. They want to debate. They want to argue. They want to present their case. They know they're right. They've got this all down to a science. And they can tell you when this is going to happen and this is going to happen and how this is going to happen. And they have one clarity, and so they do everything they can to present to you this is what's going to take place. And yet Jesus told his disciples over and over again, you're not going to know everything. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, is the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? <laughs> Notice that word, our kingdom. It's not their kingdom, it's his kingdom. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set these dates and times, and they are not for you to know. We don't like that, do we? We want to know. And so there's the scholar, there, there's the skeptic, there's the person that says, really, you really believe that stuff? You really believe that Jesus Christ is coming again, all this end time stuff, all of this Armageddon thing? Do you really believe that? I mean, come on, that's a bit of a stretch, isn't it? In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, it says, most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days… Scoffers will come, 
mocking the truth, and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the time of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Yeah, it's not going to happen. You know, why bother with it? Mocking the truth, following their own desires. The skeptic. Then there's the scared. Oh no, what's going to happen? You know, what, did I take the mark? Am I going to take the mark? What, was this the mark? Is that the mark? Uh, I'm just alarmed. What if I don't make what, What's going to happen? I don't know how this is going to play out. How's this going to play out? I don't know. I'm just afraid of what's going to take place, and I'm not sure how it's going to take place, and I'm not sure how this is going to work. And you just begin to see everything that's happening. Think, oh, the world's falling apart. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. And, you know, it's just a, a horrible time. And 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 says, As we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. And yet there are people who are very scared about what's all taken place. Then there's the super spiritual. You know, they're the people that have divine revelation. They send you the email that tells you the next issue to avoid. They're the ones online that kind of have, oh, have you read this? Did you see this? This is this, and this is going to take place, and this is going to happen like this. You know, they've got it all there, and they're looking at it and seeing it, and, you know, well, we need to stop doing this. We need to be looking at this. We need to be going this direction and everything. And they think they have, have this insight into all that's going on and everything, and they just, yeah. You know, don't you? Come on, don't, yeah. Matthew 24, 23. Anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. Anybody tells you this is it, this is it? No, no, no. There's false messiahs and false prophets that rise up, perform great signs, wonders, so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. I've warned you about this ahead of time. So if someone tells you, look, it's Messiah's out in the desert, don't go bother to go look. Or look, he's hiding here, don't believe it. Or, you know, this is the next thing. This is what's going to happen. This is how this is going to take place. Just take a pill and chill. And then there's the submerged. Their whole Christian life is just consumed with end times and all the stuff that's going on. Well, we have to stop this. Well, we need to quit this. And we just need to talk about this. And it's all about this. And everything they do is regated to this. And they keep looking at this and interpreting it this way. And they just have this understanding of how, oh, well, I think we've got to buy this. And they're just, their whole life is just submerged in trying to figure this out and live according to this and have an answer for everything. And they interpret everything according to this and what they see and what they think. And Philippians 1.9 says... Paul writes, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Notice what he wants for us. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. 
the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Because it's not about you and I trying to figure everything out when, for the end to come. It's about you and I living a life that's ready when the end comes. So what's the right way to approach the end? The end is coming. We believe that very strongly. We believe that one day Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth. We believe that one day this earth is going to be destroyed and everything in it. Sin's going to be dealt with, and God will establish His kingdom and will rule and reign forever in heaven. We believe that. The end will come. So, how do I approach that? How do I deal with that as a Christian? Well, fortunately for us, Paul wrote to his protege Timothy and gave him some information about how he should deal with things as the end comes about. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when He comes to set up His kingdom, the end, preach the Word of God. In other words, declare God's Word. This is the job description of a pastor of a Christian. You and I, myself, Pastor Blake, here's what we're to do. Declare God's Word. Hold true to God's Word. Be prepared, now notice, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, encourage your people with good teaching. So I'm going to give you four things today how you and I are to approach the end. This is called good teaching. I'm not just patting myself on the back. I'm not saying I'm good. I'm saying this is what Scripture tells us. Now, here's what I've understood, though, that you can give people good teaching and they might not like it. Now, I know none of you were there, and everything I'm going to say today, you're just going to be thrilled with, right? Yeah, Yeah, right. Okay? So here we go. First of all, First thing, you have sound doctrine. You know what you believe, and you stay true to the truth. Here's what he says to Timothy, verses 3 and 4 of 2 Timothy chapter 4. Time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires, will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth, and chase after myths. Are we there yet? Yeah, we are. Over the past several months, I've heard a phrase that was troubling to me, and I heard it repeated in the media, news agencies, and everything else, and it went something like this. It was about the court, but it's about some other things too. It said this, you know, the court is making rulings, and they're just out of touch with what the majority of Americans think. Since when do they make rulings according to what the majority thinks? Because I got news for you, friends, the majority isn't always right. And so they make a ruling, made one this week. The majority doesn't like it. But you make, they make their decisions based on a constitution, not according to what people think. We in the church 
We declare our truth according to what Scripture says, not according to what people think. And so many times what we will be saying, the people will not like because it's truth. Truth isn't always convenient for you. Truth isn't always something you want to embrace, but it's still the truth. And so the responsibility of us as pastors, the responsibility as you, you better know what you believe. Because in this world that we live in, there's a lot of hooey, is that a word? Garbage, junk that's propagated as truth. This is the way it should be. This is how we, what we believe. This is what we think. They'll even take Scripture and misappropriate it and misuse it and twist it to say what they want it to say. And so you need to be locked into this is God's Word according to Scripture, what the Bible says, and you can come into this place and hear the truth and know that it's from God's Word. We will do everything we can not to give you our opinions. We will give you what does God's Word say. And God's Word will often go against what people want to hear. And thus Paul says to Timothy, you know what, they're going to look for somebody who will tell them what they want to hear. They will look for someone who will give them things that will let them believe what they want to believe. Well, I just think, Pastor, that it should be like this. Well, you might think that, but I'm sure you've been wrong before, but what you think does not line up with what God's Word says. And God's Word is the truth. And so you have to have, in this day and time, sound doctrine. Know what you believe and make sure what you believe lines up with what the Bible says. Not what you want it to say, but what it actually says. You have to have sound doctrine because folks, what you and I are going to be hearing is a lot of things that might sound good, but aren't good. And don't line up according with what God's Word teaches. I'll go on. It's not going to get any better, but I'll go on. Secondly, you seek to work. You seek to work. You understand, don't you, that to be a Christian, it takes some work on your part. That it doesn't just happen. That you have to work at it. And here's what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. You should keep a clear mind in every situation don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given to you. So what's he telling? Keep a clear mind. Know what you believe. Don't get confused by everything that's going on around about you. Keep your head clear of what God's truth says and don't let it get muddied into something else. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Oh, what about inflation? What's going to happen? Don't be afraid. Well, but what about… The, don't be afraid. Let me say it again. Over and over again, Jesus said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And don't be afraid if you have to suffer. You know what? 
there's coming a day in our country where you and I as Christians will have some suffering to endure because of what we believe and what we stand for. It will not be accepted. It will not be appreciated. And he says, don't be afraid. You work at telling others the good news. Now, please hear me and please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. The church is not a political organization. The church exists to tell others the good news. That's what we're… Politics divides. Telling others the good news should unite us together. What are we about as a church? To tell others about the good news. What's the good news? We've sung about it. Jesus Christ died on a cross so that we could be saved and have new life in Him. That's good news, that our sin is forgiven. That's good news. And that is our primary responsibility. That is what we're about. Now, we often get pressure. Well, what about this cause? What about this cause? What about this cause? Hey, you deal with that personally as you need to deal with it. You can be involved politically all you want. We encourage you to vote. We encourage you to take note of what's going on. But the church is not a political organization. The church is here to declare the good news. Jesus saves. And that's what we're about. The second thing the church exists for, you carry out the ministry God has given to you. What did Jesus Christ tell His disciples before He left? He says, I want you to go into all the world, and I want you to tell all the creatures the good news. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's salvation. And then what's He saying with that? I want you to go make disciples. So we have a two-prong attack that the church is involved in and will be for the rest of history. It's we do everything we can to let people know that God loves them and God has the ability to change their life through salvation in Jesus Christ. And secondly, we are responsible to grow up and to work of becoming more Christ-like in our life. That's what we're about. That's why it's important for you to get involved in a group. you got to work at that. Well, I'm just not comfortable. I just don't like that. Get over it. It's work. You and I have to come to that place where we understand, what can I do that God has gifted me to do to work at sharing what God has done in my life with other people, and how can I be an encouragement to other people to help them to grow in the Lord? Because we need each other. In this day and time, we need each other. We need to encourage each other. We need to keep every, each other straight. This is where we're at. This is what we believe. This is how we operate. We need to love each other. We need to bind together because the world needs to know that we're Christians and the world will know that we're disciples of Jesus Christ by the way we love one another. And loving people is work. I have to work at loving my wife. Don't take that wrong and don't put me in that place. Because you have to work at it too, don't you? It doesn't just happen, does it? You have to work at it. And you work at it for a long time, man. Oh, sorry. Uh, Just, you know, you just work at it. 
And so you seek, you keep a clear mind. You don't be afraid. You keep on telling others about the good news. You work about the ministry of what God has given to us. So you and I in these last days, what do we do? We have sound doctrine. We know what we believe because it lines up with God's Word. And we work at telling others about this good news, and we work at becoming the type of people that Christ wants us to be because we want to become more like Him in a world that is getting less and less like Him. And that divide keeps getting bigger and bigger because we're not trying to be like the world. We're trying to be like Christ. Thirdly, you have strong faith. You have strong faith. What keeps me working? What keeps me at a place where I know what is right? It's my faith in Jesus Christ. Now, faith means you don't get to understand it all. Faith means, well, okay, the end's coming, but what about this one? I don't know, but I know in whom I have believed, and I know that He's able to keep me until that day. I know that. And here's what Paul tells Timothy. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6 and 7. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. Oh, when you get to the end of life, wouldn't that be a great thing to say about your life? My life's been an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I fought a good fight. I finished the race. And here it is. I have remained faithful. Wow. I've remained faithful. I will keep believing. I will keep serving. I will keep doing what God wants me to do. I will hold on to Him no matter what happens around about me, no matter what crisis takes place in this world. I will remain faithful to God. And so you don't let anything tear you away from your relationship with Christ. And even though you don't understand everything, and even though we all get overwhelmed at times with all the stuff going on around us, we remain faithful. We remain faithful till the end comes. And that's what Paul says to Timothy. Look, Timothy, I've done this. I've kept the faith. I've done what I needed to do. Timothy, don't give up on this. Don't quit. Don't get discouraged. Don't get led astray. Don't let somebody take you another direction that you shouldn't be going. Stay true to God's Word. Stay true to God's people and to God's church. And keep being faithful no matter what happens. You have strong faith. My faith's an anchor for my life. I can see everything happening. And while others are screaming, the sky is falling, I can go, I know, but I know that God's in control. And God's got this. And He's going to be faithful, and I will be faithful. Fourth thing, you have a secure hope. Most of the people in this world are living lives that are hopeless, and they have no hope of things changing. For the Christian, there is always hope. Paul writes, verse 8, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day of His return. There it is, the end will come. Now here it is, 
the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to His appearing. I look forward to the return of Jesus Christ, not to escape this world. It's not an escapism thing. I want to work until He comes again, but I can keep working because I know that one day I will be with Him forever. Now, if you've got a job, some of you have jobs you like, some of you got jobs you don't. Over the course of my time, and I was a kid especially, I had some jobs I did not like. But I kept working because I was going to get paid. I knew something better was coming. And you and I can keep going on because we know that one day we're going to be with God forever and heaven is a great place. And so don't lose your hope. This world might look hopeless, but a Christian always has hope. Always. And so that hope is secure, and I can count on it. So we live in difficult times, but the end is coming. The end will happen. The end will take place. The end will come. But until it comes, you and I have a life to live, a love to share, and a truth to live by and to give to others. And so I would encourage you today, can you do that? Will you do that? So I don't know where you're at this morning as you've listened. You know, maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you've just kind of been doing your own thing, run by your own opinions, making up your own truth, doing what you think, and you see that it's really not going to work out, and you know there's got to be something more. Christ died so that you could have life. And maybe you want to give your life to Him because you're willing to admit, you know what? My truth is nothing but sinful nature, and I need to ask for forgiveness. And if I ask God to forgive me of my sins, He will forgive me and cleanse me and accept me as I am. And I can live for Him. Maybe you're a Christian here today. And maybe you need to lock in a little bit more on your doctrine and what truth is to you rather than just, well, you know, this is what I believe, but people believe that and blah, blah, and you know, there's going to be a lot of people who are not going to go to heaven and really believe that they have the truth, and they're wrong. So are you holding on to God's truth? Are you taking your life and lining it up with God's Word? Are you doing what you can do to spread the good news? to share your love with others, to help others? Is your faith solid? No matter what happens, I'm going to serve the Lord. And do you have hope today? That hope that does not disappoint you. Wherever you're at, the end will come. And you and I have to live this life until it does. So would you take a moment, just between you and God, however you want to do that, and would you just talk to Him about where you're at in all of this? Ask Him to help you. Ask Him to maybe make some changes. 
make another commitment and say, God, I'm going to do this. Give your life to Christ. Whatever it is, let's just take a moment and let the Holy Spirit just speak into our hearts and our minds. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.